What's up, everybody? We are back. It's been a while. It was a very busy November. I had to break for the holiday. I had a lot of work stuff going on. So we haven't got to do one of these shows in a while. We're coming back on a Wednesday. For those of you that watch this show, those of you that know, you know what time it is. Because it's like, and more so than ever, I'm recognizing this. There's a lot of lack of nuance out there. A lot of a lack of nuance out there. And we need more nuance, especially around the NBA. Too many of y'all out here giving crazy hot takes. And they're not being checked. Sometimes you got to check them. So when we do that, you know who I bring in. It's my guy. You see him on True Hoop all the time. You see him in the Seven Footers podcast. He is a co-host of that with the homie Jenna Lemoncelli. You sometimes see him on me in New York Post to S&Y, making the great contributions, making the great points, even when some people come and hate on us. That will be my guy, Gerard Hector. Gerard, what's up, man? I'm good, man. Always here to provide nuance. You know how we do. We don't do hot takes around here. Y'all want hot takes? You know where to go find that. They know where to go find that. You can take that someplace else. Uh, <laughs> good, good to be back doing this. Um, it's been a while, and a lot has gone on in the NBA. We are at the quarter mark of the season already. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Gerard and I were talking about, okay, small sample size. You don't want to overreact. We don't want to get into early season, season overreactions. But generally, I think, Gerard, you and I have always been on this. Hey, when you get to that 20, 25 game mark, that's when you can start to make some real evaluations. That's when you can start to see some things about teams. You've got some data over a period of time. And yes, we do like to look at the numbers to support what our eyes are seeing. And you also can see certain trends. Some, And this might not be, I want to tell people, this is, doesn't mean it's complete. This doesn't yeah. mean that a team is complete in the analysis. Right. Right. It's just a good sample size of data mm-hmm. to make some observations. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to make some observations. We're going to talk to you guys um, about some trends. And I think we'll start off with, because, you know, one of the things, Gerard, is everybody talks about who's a contender, who's mm-hmm. not a contender, mm-hmm. right? And so I want to choose my words carefully on this <laughs> in teams appearing to be contenders, because that's where I think we are at this point in the season. Who are the teams that appear to be contenders? I do think there are some that we definitively know. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some that have some structural problems. But who are the teams in your eyes that appear to be contenders right now? Well, it's interesting, right? So we have a couple things going on here. And I love what you said, Dexter, about the quarter century mark, uh, the quarter century, the quarter season mark. That's important, right? When you look at the NBA season, 82 games, every 20 games or so, that's when you can start deciding what some things mean, right? 20 times 4, 80, 82 games, right? That, that gives us a full season. And like you said, just because we see something now to the first one, it doesn't mean it's going to hold up through April through the final 20, right? Things can change, but through 20, this is what we see. There are teams that are doing some interesting things. There are only three teams right now in the NBA decks that are top five, both in offense and defense. And we know that historically, the NBA champion typically is a team that is at a minimum top 10 in both offense and defense, and more likely is top five in offense and defense, right? You got able to score. We know that, but you got to get stops too. The only three teams right now that are currently top five through the quarter century mark in both offense and defense are the Cleveland Cavaliers, the New Orleans Pelicans, and the Phoenix Suns. Now, at the beginning of the season, you might have said, all right, Phoenix, you can see that, right? They had the best record in the league last year, went to the finals two years in a row, uh, two years ago, excuse me. Now, they had that weird offseason with DeAndre Ayton and the the, uh, max contract. You know, Chris Paul's been injured. We were like, eh, we're not so sure. But Phoenix is still doing it on both ends of the floor. Now, they're going to have to show it to everybody come postseason, right? Like when the postseason gets here, 
They're going to have to be like, all right, we know you guys can do it regular season because we've seen you, but we need you to win three straight series, four straight series to prove to us you're a legit contender. So I'll move them to the side. Uh, no one thought Cleveland was going to be a top five offense, top five defense. They're one, but they're one of those young teams people were excited about. The Donovan Mitchell thing, I think, was huge for them. The trade was very big. You know, we saw Donovan in Utah, and it was clear that that situation with him and Rudy and the rest of that, it just ran its course. What you're seeing from Mitchell now is not only the elite and incredible shot making and shot creation uh, for his teammates, you're seeing him give effort on defense. Um, and that's something he wasn't doing in, in Utah. And so Cleveland is interesting. Now, I think they're like a wing player away from really being a true contender, um, but I like what I'm seeing from them. And New Orleans, you know, they have a lot of talented pieces with Zion and Brandon Ingram and Herb Jones and Jose, I mean, and CJ. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. Do I think they're quite ready to be a true contender? No, but they have the pieces in terms of draft picks and young talent that if they continue on this trend of top five offense, top five defense, they can make a trade or a move. And next thing you know, oh, they got that other alpha wing dude to go. All right, we're ready now. And now we're a serious contender. So those are the teams, Dexter, top five offense and defense that suggest they would be contenders. Now, yeah, our, our regular contenders include, of course, the Boston Celtics, Milwaukee Bucks, the two best records in the NBA uh, right now. And so those, to me, are the two sort of teams that I'm like, yeah, these are legit, like, Regardless of the fact that they're kind of wobbling on one side, right? All I like them as the two best teams in the NBA right now, and I'll give a hat tip to Memphis. Not trying to be a homer. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but see, Memphis is in another category I have here that I and we'll get to that. Except I think they're trending in the right direction, so I, I, I will get to that. Of these teams you mentioned, um, particularly the Cavs and the Pelicans, mm-hmm. right? Which one of those teams do you think has the ability to sustain this, right? Or because the Cavs, you mentioned the fact that you think they're a wing player away, which I agree with you. And although I'm very impressed with how Donovan Mitchell is playing and Knicks fans from afar are depressed. Y'all can't feel good about that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That's another story for another day or probably every day because we live it. But um, with those two teams in the Pelicans – you know, is there moves they need to make? Is it just sticking with the growth? Do, do you think in the next 20 games you'll feel the same way you feel about these guys? Will it change? Will it drop off? How do you feel about both of those teams in terms of what they can do in the next 20 games? Yeah, I, I, I love that question. Look, I think they're for real. I think both teams can consistently play this way again because through those 20 games so far, we're seeing them commit to both ends of the floor. Let's also remember – the Celtics have four losses this year. Two of those losses have come to the Cleveland Cavaliers, okay? So I do think what the Celtics, what the Cavaliers are doing, excuse me, is sustainable. Now, regular season basketball and playoff basketball, we know are different, right? Is different. They do need that other wing guy, right? Because Evan Mobley's not quite ready to be that wing guy yet, though defensively he's fine. Um, he's not quite ready to be that, oh, you're a legit number two option behind Donovan Mitchell on the wing. Not that Darius Garland isn't, but... They're small, right? Two small backcourts. Who's that six foot seven, six foot eight, and taller guy who can get his own shot at any time and get right that you need come the postseason? That's kind of what they're missing right now. Um, but defensively, I like what they're doing. New Orleans, look, Zion, you know, we do this thing where a player gets injured and they're out. And then when they come back, we expect them to be what they were 
on day one. And it's like, right. I don't like, I don't understand that logic. Like, forget about basketball. You as a human being, stop doing something you've done your whole life for literally six months and then go try to do it again on day one and tell me how that works out for you. Not so good, right? right. Whatever it may be, you need, and this is NBA basketball, the best basketball in the world. He was off for a whole year. It's going to take some time for him to get back to where he was um, and give him another 20 games. I think we'll start to see some improvement. So I think the Pelicans will be, you know, both these teams, I wouldn't trade away any of like your core young pieces. Now, New Orleans has so many, none of their core guys, right? So so Ingram won't go, Zion won't go, none of those, Herb Jones, but a guy like Trey Murphy, right, who's really excellent off the bench. Well, that yep. intrigue a team that will give him more playing time, right? That and some picks, what could that get you, right? So that's what you have to start thinking if you're New Orleans, right? Because New Orleans, guess what their thing is? They don't care because they're trying to be as good as they want this year. Because guess what they have? The Lakers uh, pick. <laughs> uh, the Lakers pick. Man. And we know the Lakers are going to be terrible, so it don't matter, right? Like, so they're going to get a high lottery pick. It don't matter. That's right. I almost forgot about that. They're, they're just smiling down in New Orleans. They're just living it. That's like living the NBA life. We can be yes. as good as we want to be. Somebody else is being as bad as they can be. And life will be good. Although the Lakers have been winning a little lately. And we'll get I mean, to that. Not, yeah, pump, yeah, yeah. pump the brakes, people. They pump played the San breaks. Antonio three times. Exactly. Uh, in, in, a, in about a week. So, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's calm down on that. Um, do you think the Suns? Because they were the other team that you mentioned in that appearing to be contenders. And I was very low on them coming into this year. I think both you and I were. We both had them under their win total. Do you think there's anything they can do? The Jay Crowder situation is interesting. How that manifests themselves. What kind of pieces they can get back to add depth to that team. Yeah. Is it Chris Paul just being healthy? That elevates them into another category for you. What, what do you need to see from them? I worry about them in the playoffs. I think that they have enough continuity in the regular season to win regular season games. You got Devin Booker, you got DeAndre Ayton, you got, um, you know, Mikel Bridges. Like, they'll be fine. But in the postseason, they need a healthy Chris Paul. They need a healthy Cam Johnson, who's also not healthy right now. And to be the team that they that they want to be that went to the finals two years ago, you saw a dominant DeAndre Ayton, someone who was aggressive and played with fire in his belly every single possession he hasn't really been that dude and I so i wonder why i well, wonder listen, why m- might, might be some hurt feelings over there in phoenix they might you know some things are going on so and from a trade perspective i don't know what they can do trade wise right because again it's not going to sap them of the what they have to be good right remember early in the season it was oh kevin durant has the sons on his list okay yeah but in order to get you you have to give up all the things that you want to go there right so <laughs> that team ain't going to be very good so um, I don't know what they can do in terms of a trade. I think it's just more getting guys back that are health that's healthy and having a 24-year-old, however old DeAndre Ayton is, play like a legit max guy, which he can do, but do it consistently. Yeah, they're, they're interesting to me because there's some things, can, you know, as I said, can they sure up the four spot? Cam Johnson obviously being hurt doesn't help either in a situation. There is some depth issues there in Phoenix that makes me worry a little bit along with, is Chris Paul going to be healthy? Mm-hmm. Is Chris Paul going to look old like he did? And that's no shade to Chris Paul. Anybody knows me. I'm a CP3 fan. I love CP3. One of the great point guards of all time, if not my favorite point guard of all time. But he is old. That is a fact. He's old. <laughs> like, that's just a fact. Right. Father time comes for us all. I don't care what y'all seen in the LeBron commercials. Father time comes for us all. All right. Um, this was another category you brought up to me when I was talking to you about what we wanted to talk about today. And I was like, oh, this is really good because – 
this is one where you can really dive into numbers and you can really see what's going on here. And that's contenders that are good on one side of the ball, right? Or at least to this point, we've seen that they're really good on one side of the ball, might have some questions on the other side where you're like, mm, maybe they can figure things out, maybe they won't. Mm-hmm. Who are these teams for you that you think are contenders, but they're really good on one side of the ball? So it's interesting, right? You look at the Golden State Warriors. They're ninth in offense right now, um, defensively 20th. Now, you say 20th, that's terrible. But it's actually gotten better for them, right? They were actually worse than that um, early early part of the season. Um, look, you give the Warriors so much benefit of the doubt because of the championship pedigree, what they've done, and they've done some different things in terms of you know, obviously James Wiseman's down in the G League. They've had Draymond play with that second unit to shore that up. And actually last night in that Mavericks game, second unit was actually fine. It was the starters that were causing that were causing issues. Um, and so, you know, I think that's a team that bears watching. I think, look, if they can figure out what their rotation is and figure out that second unit, I think they'll be fine. The Sacramento Kings, Dexter, they are the number three offense in the NBA. Which and, is one of the shocks to me of the NBA. And they the look shocks. incredible. Listen. I am someone who's given De'Aaron Fox a ton of crap, right? Yep, same but here. He, he he's is been playing, good, man. He's, he's good. playing like he wants to be an all-star for the first time this year. Like, he's on my list. I got about five guys, I think, are in the running to be first-time all-stars, and he is on that list. He's playing lights out right now. Steve Kerr said this. Already one of the fastest guys in the league with the ball in his hands. So if he's making threes, which he is now, and you have to press up and guard threes, well, you're cooked now. Because you got to press up, he's going to get by you because he's too fast and you can't stay in front of him. That's trouble. Um, but defensively, you thought with Mike Brown there, they get better at that. That isn't happening. They're 28th in defense, right? So that bears watching. Is he going to get them to buy into that, that side of the ball and do some different things? The Denver Nuggets, number four in offense. Look, we, we know mm. two-time MVP Nikola Jokic doing another outstanding job again this season. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. is back. Jamal Murray's back. I thought the addition of Bruce Brown would help them defensively, um, but they're, you know, 24th, I want to say, on in defense right now. 26th, even worse. Um, you know, that's a team that offensively, Dexter, again, top four, that's good enough to be an NBA champion. 26th in defense, that ain't, right? They have to figure out what's going on that. And just, look, I'm never someone to call for jobs or whatever, but just pay attention to Denver this year and Mike Malone and what happens just because – no, there's going to be another year now where, okay, guys are back. We're still elite on offense, but why are we still so bad defensively? Mm. You know, again, I, I'm not calling for jobs or anything. I'm just saying, and remember, new GM now in charge in Denver and Calvin Booth. So it's with Tim Connolly going to Minnesota. So pay attention there. Um, I mentioned the Celtics and Bucks as yeah. contenders. Celtics, number one offense in the NBA. Oh, my God. Jason Tatum got better, which is fucking scary. He's already really good. I mean, Jason Tatum right now, you have to, he's in the MVP discussion without question. Right? Oh, no doubt. I mean, no doubt. He is. And he is. He made his first All-NBA first team last year. He's that dude now. Like, he does this again this season. This is now when you say top five, oh, it's Jason Tatum. Like that, right? That's the name you have to say now. And Jalen Brown playing more, playing better than an All-Star. He's playing like, no, I'm going to be All-NBA this year. Playing under control. All- turnovers are down. You got two All-NBA wings. I mean, yeah, yeah you're yeah. not, that's, that's, a, you're not, those don't grow on trees. That is hard to stop and beat. But defensively, 17th. Now, Robert Williams, the third, I know he's not around if and when he comes back, but he has an injury history now. And if I'm Robert Williams, again, 
I'm making sure I'm fully healthy before I even think about coming back. Because if he comes back too soon, rushes it again, and gets injured again, we got problems. And this team will not be good enough to win the NBA championship without Rob Williams. I, I don't care how good Tatum I, and Brown are. I, I, I not agree with that. I agree with that. And I think I think because they're at 17th, which they're like a little bit below league average in terms of defensively, it really tells you the impact of Robert Williams. Because I do believe if they have a healthy Robert Williams, to your point, and he comes back, that's a that's a top five to seven defense. Okay. If it not be even top, higher. Might be, it might be top, top two three. defense. Right. I mean, and we're we, gonna get to the other team, which is which Milwaukee. Is right. Listen, you know who is the best defender in the NBA this year? I would it's, it's not Giannis. I'll give you a hint. Giannis. It ain't Giannis, but he's on the Bucks. But he's on the Bucks. And yeah, and that also the way you're smiling makes me tell me it's probably not Drew Holiday. It's not Drew Holiday. And so I believe that it is Brooke Lopez. It certainly is that Brooke is, Lopez. It is Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez is a mountain of a human being. A mountain. He is huge. You cannot move him. The, te- the Bucks have the number one defense in the NBA. When Brooke Lopez is manning the paint, remember, he can switch out a little bit, play that drop coverage. That allows Giannis to be that free-roaming, weak-side shot blocker. You don't see him coming. And, of course, Drew Holiday at the point of attack. And, mind you, they're doing all this without another very good defender in Chris Middleton, who, by the yep. way, will be back soon. So that's why they're, so they're number one on off in offense and defensive rating, but 17th in, in, in offense. Well, when Middleton gets back, Joe Ingle, <coughs> right, Pat Connaughton, that offense is going to change around. And look, this is a team that's two years removed from a championship. This is a team that without Chris Middleton took the Buck, the Celtics to seven games last year in the playoffs. I mean, the Bucs might be the best team in the NBA all, all said and done when they're fully healthy, right? And so, you know, again, so they're, but they're, the fact that they're able to continue to win games with only one side of the ball shows you how yes. good they are. Yes, that's the point there to me. And I think that's what's scary about them. In a way, we're kind of we, and I say we, I mean NBA community, NBA fans and stuff. We've kind of been sleeping on the Bucks. You know, we've kind of this happens with the voter fatigue, the MVP, and Giannis mm-hmm. and all the stuff. This is a team that won the NBA championship, like you said, took the Celtics seventh game last year without Middleton. Their offense has looked sputtery at times. Definitely has. I feel like they've lost games that had they had some of their better players in there, like a Middleton. Maybe a healthy angles that could help mm-hmm. the offense would look a lot better. They drop some games to the Hawks. I do not think they would have dropped. I think you would have seen that. But the defense looks really good, and we'll get to them later when we talk about picks tonight because um, the way they can defend and they're defending a little bit differently. I think we talked about this in the first mm-hmm. one, first mm-hmm. one or two episodes of the season. Here, they're defending a little bit differently. You're seeing Milwaukee actually give up more threes than they have before. But you know what? They're still not getting, and they're still shutting people down at the rim. You can't get nothing against them. They can lock down a perimeter. Their perimeter defense, like Gerard is saying, will get better when Middleton comes back. It's not even at his peak right now. They're, they're playing when they, harder a lot of minutes on the wing, so you know it's going to get better. When they go jumbo, right, with yep. Brooke, Giannis, and Bobby Portis, I mean, that's just a lot of arms in your way. Like, the hardest thing to do in the NBA is score over length. Like, that 6'10", 7'2", 7'4", I mean, like, you're – that's just hard to score over consistently. Like you're not, and you ain't getting no rebounds neither, right? Like, and nope. so this is this is your challenge, right? This is what you know the league that loves to go small and do different things. And Milwaukee's like, yeah, let's go jumbo, see how that works, right? Like, and you can do that. I mean, it's similar to what Cleveland does, right? When playing Mobley and Jared Allen, right? Not as not beefy guys, but tall, tall dudes, right? And tall so, yep. 
it, it length is hard to, to score over in this league. It really, really is. Now, so Milwaukee, look, they're, they're doing well. The Western Conference, though, Dex, is the interesting one because yeah, no one has separated themselves, right? There's a game difference between first place and, like, ninth. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that'll be interesting to watch all year. It is absolutely going to be interesting to watch all year there. Um, as you look at the teams who contenders or not, and I do agree on the Western Conference because when you look at it, you know, you really can't even say who's a – true contender that might uh, be dominant on one side of the ball. I do think Denver's an interesting team to watch, and I, and I hear you on the Mike Malone stuff there too. Um, I also think Memphis, because you brought him mm-hmm. up earlier. Mm-hmm. Memphis, who has not started off the season good defensively, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of us that are reasonable have been saying, let's pump the brakes on that. They didn't have trip. Your boy, mm-hmm. your boy mm-hmm. wasn't out there, and he's come back, and He's working his way into mm-hmm, game mm-hmm, play and shape and all that other stuff. However, what I have seen in the Memphis games I watch, and we'll get to them also too later when we talk about betting tonight, they they are starting to look better defensively, mm-hmm, for sure. a lot better defensively. It shows you the impact, how one guy sometimes can make such an impact to a defense. We all know, well, Gerard definitely knows because he's been <laughs> preaching this from the top of the mountaintops for the last couple of years. But last year, I remember at one point on this show, I said to Gerard, hey, you know, I think it was like maybe December, January. I was like, yo, um, Tripp is a DPOI candidate. For sure, sure is. Like, sure this is. guy's impact on defense, this wasn't me just reading the numbers. This was me watching the games and seeing uh, how he was impacting the defense, especially as a help defender, which was, mm-hmm. uh, which was tremendous. And I think that's where he makes Memphis so much better. So watch out for Memphis. They've been all right offensively. And they've been getting being able to score points, but I think their defense is also trending in the right way. It is towards the, 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 a upper echelon playoff team. The only thing that's hurting them right now is Bain being out. Um, before he got injured with the sprained big toe, Dexter, he was playing like an all NBA two guard. Uh, and, and looking like one of the best shooters in the league. I mean, he already is. He's one yeah, of the best shooters in the league. Forty-six percent from three on volume. On eight threes a game, that's Steph Curry. Like, right? That ain't yeah. 45 percent or forty-six percent on a three, a one three a game or two on eight. Right? That's volume. Okay. He listen before the injury. He was on my list. He's on my list as well. Potential first-time All Stars. Right? Like, yep. just and if they have that, if they have John Morant and that version of Desmond Bain, that's an All NBA backcourt. Dex, you got an All NBA backcourt and All Defensive four. It's pretty good. Pretty good. I, I, and I keep for the people I keep telling them out there who's like, oh, you gotta get a top pick to get talent in the draft. Look, look, look at the look at the Grizzlies. Yes, you can tell me they have trip and they got draw. Right. I get that. But what did they do on the fringes? How do you build your team on the fringes? If you can find a third star and you get him late in the first round, like they did with Bain, they're gonna have to pay Bain, and he ends up being one of the best shooters in the league. Look what can happen for you. Look at the options you have. Look at the, the Look at the longevity you can build from that. Many ways to team build, as I say all the time. Okay, let's talk. Can we can we talk about the fake teams? The teams that have been masquerading as being good, looking like they're good. You know, kind of, you had some feel good stories in the beginning yeah, of the year. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, and there's that team with the horrible jerseys out west, the Utah Jazz. Yes, we're talking about you. Jerseys are terrible. No, yeah, the Jazz. I mean, the, the Jazz, they're so had among the worst jerseys in the league, though. I feel like. Ugh. They're so bad. I'm happy when they the other night I saw they had this their city edition is like yeah. the throwback to the, like the mountaintop with the purple and white. They had that, and I'm like, you could just go back to that. We, yeah, we, just we, yeah, we just wear those that. old ones that John Stockton and Carl Malone used to wear back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I don't know. I don't know who was in charge of that, but 
The Jazz got off to a great start. Everybody was like, hey, is this team good? You know, are, are they really good? There were things I liked about what they're doing. Now they're the eighth in the West. I forgot they've lost five in a row, mm-hmm. two and eight in their last 10. They're now mm-hmm. 12, 12 and 11, okay, after a good start. So, you know, that's it. They were 10 and three and now two and eight in their last 10 games. Um, we'll, we'll touch on, the, on, on them for a bit. Uh, you, you know, the Pacers are a team that have been surprising a lot of people. Yeah, they're, they're hanging and tough, hanging in there. They're hanging in there. They are 12 and 8. I don't think anybody had that. I, I, don't, I don't even think the most optimistic Pacer fan thought they'd be 12 and 8 at this point. 7 and 3 in their last 10. So they're actually going the other way of the Jazz. They're actually trending in the, in the right direction. Um, what are the, which of these teams, you know, that mm-hmm. have been, you know, and I might add the Blazers in that too. Nah, Although, Blazers shout out to the homie Chantel Shan, who told me the Blazers are going to be good. Um, and shout, out, shout out to the homie Henry Abbott. That's his favorite team. Uh, growing up in Portland. Team. Right. And so, you know, I, they, I, I could put them in, in that too. Uh, and I also would like the other team we got to put up in there. We we have to talk about the team they mm-hmm. played last night. And folks, I know you're going to say, oh, they just beat the Warriors last night. They're 10 and 10. Oh, yeah, they're the 4 and 6 in their last 10. That is the Dallas Mavericks. I think there are issues with the Mavericks. I will get to that. Uh, but Gerard, of these teams, teams, or if there's somebody I didn't mention, mm-hmm. who do you, which of these teams that are masquerading that you're like, yeah, man, it, it, they're fake. They are not who we thought they were in the first ten games. <laughs> well, <laughs> which the, of these teams? The, the easy one to go with is Utah, right? I mean, they're pretty fraudulent, um, you know. And everybody was talking about, oh, Danny's like, I don't want to tank. We're gonna be good. I, you know, we we're gonna not forget about Victor sweepstakes. But it's like, all right, guy, like, calm down. Like this Utah Jazz team, you traded away your two best players in Mitchell and Gobert, right? Uh, Clarkson's playing well, but he's Jordan Clarkson, right? I mean, Mike Conley's still here. You know that, that that's good. That move's gonna happen. And yeah, Laurie Marketing, love love what Laurie's doing. I had him on my list as well. Potential first time All Stars uh, this year. But this team is not equipped to win consistently, right? They started out the year well, did their thing. But again, as you mentioned, lost five straight. They struggle on, on, on the defensive side of the ball for sure. 24th in adjusted defensive rating, right? They can score the ball, but they can't guard anybody. And, you know, that's a recipe for disaster. Um, Indiana's interesting because they can score, but they can't guard. Um, right. And that's, that's another team, right? Um, Andrew Nemhard, rookie. Benedict Mather and Tyrese Halliburton, like really, really excellent. Um, not just as a passer, but as a shooter as well. So they look they, a lot of good things. Miles Turner, Buddy Hield, of course, a lot of good things there. But we don't know how long Miles Turner and Buddy Hield are going to be there. I think ultimately, right, they're going to find their way. Utah for sure. Indiana, I'll give you another twenty games and see to get themselves back into the Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes uh, at some point. Yeah, uh, what what I also want to touch with the Mavericks here too, yeah, right? Mavericks. Because the the Mavericks, if you're looking at this, and you're gonna, and I, we're gonna get to this too. Lucas having an MVP season, mm-hmm. no doubt about that. There is no arguing about that. But right now, it looks like Luca and who else? And the who Pips. Luca and the Pips. Luca and the Pips. There we go. <laughs> it's Luca and the Pips, right? And look, nobody wants to be the Pips. But sometimes you're the pips. Everybody can't be Gladys Knight. You know what I'm saying? Like it. Sometimes this is what you are, and there's problems with that. And what I see is the first thing that everybody's going to talk about is shot creation. That is true. The other thing I think too is this is a team that is shoot shoots a lot of threes, but there isn't shot creation. 
they miss Jalen Brunson. They do not get a lot of easy twos. Mm-hmm. Jalen Brunson also got you his mid-range game is dope. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that with the Knicks. Jalen Brunson also potential first-time All-Star this mm-hmm. year. They miss that. They really miss Jalen Brunson. Now they signed Kemba Walker. You and I were texting yesterday. How's this going to go? Our friend Brian hit us up about that. Brian Fonseca hit us up. And we're like, and I said, it could go good depending on what his availability is. How, right. can, can he give you 10 to 20 strong minutes a game? Maybe. Right. I don't know. How mm-hmm. does his knees hold up? I love Kemba. I hope that it, I hope that it can help them. I don't. I have no idea. Yeah. But why do you think you think the Mavs are fraudulent? Yeah. Um, because, look, we, we've seen why? this. We've seen this movie before, Dexter. The heliocentric mm. offense. We've seen it. This is the James Harden Rockets. We saw it. Mm. When you have to have that excessive usage rate, like Luka Doncic is having right now, I believe Luka's uh, usage rate is thirty-seven percent right now. That's high. Um, not as high as Giannis's, which is thirty-nine. That's in that that's that that's that James Harden territory, right? Okay, that's all well and good when you're elite like Luca is, and you might win MVP. But if you got to play 40 minutes a night just to win games, what you're gonna have in the tank comes April. That's the thing. Like you guys, energy is finite. It's not oh, then when the playoffs start, I replenish my energy store. No, no, no. <laughs> you start the season with a certain amount of energy. It just gets depleted and depleted as the season goes on, and. If they don't get some help offensively, because that's the thing, you think, oh, the Mavericks have like great offense, bad defense. No, they're actually ninth on defense. They're top 10 defense. They're middle of the pack, about 15th on offense, because it's just Luka. Like, he's the only one doing stuff. You gotta, can Jason Kidd get them to stop being so Luka reliant? Yes, he's so good and you have to use him. We get that. But can they do things differently? Can they run an offense that's a little Mm -hmm. bit more dynamic? You know, that game against the Warriors last night, yeah, of course we know Steph Curry is the engine that makes the system go. But the Warriors run a system, right? It ain't just Steph jacking 30 shots a game. That's not, that's not how it works, right? He gives the ball up. He's cutting. He's moving. It's read, react. It's all these different things that gets everybody involved, right? That's what makes the offense hum. And so, again, that's the situation with when, when, when you're the Mavericks. Can you run? I mean, and the Warriors, are the, they're a one-of-one, right? No one else runs an offense like you. Every, everyone else in the NBA – pretty much run some variation of high pick and roll, right? With their best player. That's what most teams do. Um, but Dallas, and that's why they hit the Kemba Walker glass, right? They're like the break in case of emergency break glass with Kemba Walker. Can he help our offense? To your point, he's got the injuries. And there's a reason he's been out of the yep. league. Like, I, I don't know. Like you're asking him to do what? Give you 15 to 20 minutes? Maybe. against. You if, hope if, so. It, right, you hope. If he's coming off the bench against second units, I, I guess, but you have to see it. I don't know how healthy he is, and can he, and can he do that? You know, he was on the broadcast last night, said he feels great, but every athlete says that. Oh, I'm in the best shape. I feel like, all right, man, we'll see. You know, look, I, I'm rooting for Kemba, but I, I want to bring up some stats here too, right? Because this, and this is before last night's game against the Mavericks. Still, please remember, the Mavs are four and six in their last 10 games, okay? Not trending the right way. In the past 10 games prior to last night against the Warriors, Dallas has scored just 109.3 points per 100 possessions. That is the fourth worst mark in the league, right? So offensive struggles, as Gerard mentioned, the defense has still been good, which is something Jason Kidd has brought to this team. So you like that, but they can't do anything if they're not better offensively, and you cannot tell me that this is a team that can get back to the Western Conference Finals. Also, this goes to the point, I found a stat, something that, I was saying, a lot of threes this team shoots. They're hitting about the same clip that they did last year. They're shooting, give or take, 
in this 10-game stretch about the same they did last year, give or take a little bit more. Dallas has the league's second lowest percentage of two-point attempts, with just 52.5% of the shots coming inside the arc. Last season, it was at 56.1%. What do we know about the league, Gerard, and the way most people are playing today? You want to be efficient on your threes. You want to get as many shots as you can, easy shots close to the basket, and you want to convert on them. And if you can't get that, you know, this is my point about Jalen Brunson. Jalen mm-hmm. Brunson was the emergency dude that could mm-hmm. bail you out because mm-hmm. he could also operate in the mid-range, and he shot so good, almost in the way that Phoenix has it with Chris Paul. When Chris Paul's on top of his game, right? You know Booking can get to the cup. You know you can score with Aiton. You know Bridges can score. Booking can hit from the outside. They have some three-point shooting. But when you need a tough shot or you're getting that in-between, you got to master at the mid-range. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. stuff helps. Those are little things that impact the offense. People just look at Jalen Brunson and say, oh, they miss his 17 points or whatever. No, it's also about the quality of shots he's getting and how that impacts the offense. Because now you've got more pressure on more dudes like Dinwiddie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Dorian Finney-Smith um, and Tim Hardaway Jr., who's not having a good year shooting the ball at all. What, what a shock. Um, <laughs> so now there's more stress on them and until the Mavericks figure that out or get another guy another guy they need a rangy wing you know you know yeah, but everybody who, who, does who does who it does right it? <laughs> yeah everybody does they need they need somebody else to score because you're right you know you t- you use the word heliocentric Gerard and it is it's the same offense over and over and listen if you guys are using the Mavs in 2K, I hate to bring video games. Right. This, you probably you got kill no it. better options yeah. either. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to play the same kind of offense, and I wouldn't blame you. But against good defensive teams, you're not going to win. And this is the point I think they're making, Gerard. How they fix that before the playoffs, I think you got to change some of the personnel. That's just simple yeah. as that for me. Yeah, I think so. And Dallas is doing a thing last year where the only game they beat the Warriors in the conference finals, they won one game, so they lost in five. Yep. They outshot them from three, and they made like 27 threes that game or something. No, man, that's not a recipe for success. All right, the games will win is when we hit more threes than you. Against that team especially, I'm like, ah, you got to have something better working for you than that. Like, if we hit 27 threes, we're going to win. Yeah, sure, that's any team in the league. But you, you can't guarantee that, right? And so, again, I think personnel-wise, do they have a move to make? We'll see. Lucas playing excellent. Um, Jim Hardaway Jr. not shooting well yet, you said. Uh, Reggie Bullock also not shooting well right now. Nope, been slumping. Um, you know, this is, look, Dorian Finney-Smith I like a lot. really helps our defense, you know. But it's Luka and a bunch of one-dimensional guys, right? Like, you, you need as many guys as you can who can create for themselves, right? The reason why Luka yep. has to dominate the ball is because nobody else can create, right? Like, that's why Jalen Brunson, as you mentioned, was so important. He could do some stuff. Yep. Who else can create? When, we saw it last night in that game. Mavs up 17. Luka goes to the bench, properly give the lead right up, right? Like, yep. because they got they have nothing. They, they run they numbers, run nothing. They're on-off numbers with Luka on the court. Pretty good, although you saw the numbers I gave you about their points per 100 possessions, which is not good, which, you know why that number is so bad? Because when, as Gerard said, when Luka's off the court, it plummets. They can't score. There's nobody to create. When you had Brunson in there, that was a guy that could create, set up shots for other people. And he could do that. Now, Kemba who's never really been a high assist guy, mm-hmm. can do that. And he can score for a little bit and help them. I don't think he'll get to the cup like he used to, but I do think he can help them. It's just how often can he help them? How many minutes can he play? We don't know any of that. If he does, it's a plus. If he doesn't, it's back to the drawing board for the Mavs. We'll see. 
Um, can we talk about team stuck in mediocrity? Yeah. Who's who's your team stuck in mediocrity? I mean, you know, you know, you know, you know where we got to go on this. I, I mean, I assume you want to go to Brooklyn. <laughs> if that's, if that's I was even going. I was even going there. <laughs> I, was, I, I was going to the other team in New York, the Knicks. Oh, you can say I that mean, too. You, both of them. I mean, look, yeah. the, the, these both these teams are five hundred. Although I will say, Brooklyn has played better uh, of late. Um, they had a very good month of month of uh, November. Actually, nine wins uh, in November. So they're turning things around. Look, Brooklyn's issue is. They're small. I mean, I, I, right. Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, and Nick Claxton are the biggest people on your roster. Like, that is a problem. And this roster, as we know, designed to, when you have three max slot guys, it doesn't leave you in a salary cap league a whole lot of space to fill in with everything else, right? You have one player of those three playing like an all NBA top five player, and that is Kevin Durant. Yep. Everybody else, not. Kyrie Irving, He's not been good this year. He's around 45th in the league in estimated plus minus in terms of his effectiveness when he's on the floor. I mean, that's fine for like a run-of-the-mill, like above average starter, potential all-star. Not good for your number two max guy. Um, Ben Simmons. Now, caveat, hasn't played basketball at this level in 18 months. Couldn't take him some time. And before he got hurt with the knee again, he was starting to play much better defensively and much more aggressive. Give him some more time. But the rest of this team, Dexter, is just not very good. And when you have to play Kevin Durant 39 minutes on the second night of a back-to-back to beat the Orlando Magic, who are basically without everybody except for Paolo Bancaro and Bull Bull, uh, and you needed him to score 45 points, and you needed every single one of those 45 points and his elite defense to win against the Magic, Dexter, that's not sustainable basketball. Like, you're not... <laughs> that's not a team that's going to win a whole lot of games. Now, on to your beloved New York Knicks. I mean, look, they're about 500, if I'm not mistaken. They went to one game below, 10 and 11. They're 14th in offense, 23rd in defense. Um, look, RJ Barrett, look, you know I'm, I was, I was a, I'm high on RJ, but man, I, I don't know what's happening. And Cam Reddish, he's got these games where one game we're hot, next game, I'm like, bro. And I, I get it. Consistency is what makes you be a starter versus an all-star. Versus, right? I get that. And it's hard to be consistent in the NBA. That's why there's only so many all-stars every year. So many guys that make all-NBA, right? Because when your shot's not falling, how else are you helping the team contribute to winning? Well, there's a reason why there's only Giannis, KD, Steph, Jokic, right? These are, yeah, these are the best of the best. Everybody else, they struggle to find that, right? And the Knicks don't have that person right there you Jalen go Brunson, to your there point you Jalen Brunson you excellent but he ain't that kind of dude right and he's clearly already their best player right, right. like clearly their best player borderline all-star might make an all-star team this year he's played good enough to be in that conversation for sure but he ain't that dude and the difference between the Knicks and the Nets and while I agree with you and we could save this for right. another day because the Nets have that dude the Nets have that dude but to what you're saying, and I want to make a point in the Nets, what you're saying about how they had to get all of the points they needed out of KD just to beat Orlando, it still makes me wonder when the next KD tra- trade request is coming. Can we just fast forward to that? Because it feels like it's coming. It feels, I mean, I, I, I'm, like I'm with you. Come. Here's what I'm thinking. If you're – look, Joe Sy and Sean Marks are probably going to talk themselves into, okay, no, look, Kevin's playing well at an all-NBA level, like – 
borderline MVP. I mean, he's playing like an MVP. If the Nets had a better record, he'd be, I mean, he's fourth in estimated plus minus in the NBA. Like he's playing like a top five player, like an MVP in the league. But the rest of the roster just isn't good enough right now. Do they trick themselves into saying, all right, just give Ben some more time. He'll get better. Kyrie, it's like, you know my thing on that, Dex. Even if all that happens and the best version of those two guys happen mm-hmm. by year end, what is the tax you put on KD to hold the ship afloat while you got there? That means that come playoff time, as I mentioned about energy before, he ain't going to have nothing left come postseason. I'm and very concerned not, about that for him. If he's not the best dude on the floor for you, you're not winning. Like, I don't care how good Ben and Kyrie are. You're not winning. You need him to be that dude. But if I got to gas him in November against Orlando. There's no way he could be that dude come postseason time. And he's just going to mentally get tired of this. This is not, to be fair, I mean, KD made his choices. And we've talked about this ad nauseum here. But this is not what he really signed up for. And a lot of that is because of other people Mm -hmm. acting crazy. But that is part of his choice. And he should own and have Mm -hmm. to own that. but I wonder about that and where the Nets are stuck in mediocrity. You make a great point because the decision that you're saying that the ownership and front office has to make is one of being like, okay, where are we? Is this a sunk cost? I believe that it is. And so I think it's time to move on and blow the whole thing up and you can still get a good return if you're the Nets. The Knicks where they are, and I'll get into this more on Friday. Hopefully we'll have a guest to talk on the Knicks. They're not in the worst position in the world. Because they're stuck in mediocrity land, but they have assets, and they're not really screwed by the cap. So they're not in the worst situation. I think what's disappointing is they have some intriguing, I'll use the word, young pieces. Mm -hmm. But nobody, as Gerard said, that that is that dude. RJ Barrett's been disappointing this year. Um, He looks like he's overthinking it too much. Um, There's nobody as that dude. The Knicks fans fight about who should get more time, OB, Cam Reddish. And I feel like that y'all arguing about the wrong thing. Like, just notice you don't have that dude. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's okay to notice that. Yeah, and it's okay to be fine with the team or where it is. But I think the Knicks need to make a consolidation move, um, and I think they need to consolidate roster, get rid of some vets, and just go in on playing the young guys. And whatever happens, happens. Right. And then identify someone in the draft if you need to trade up. Use your assets to do that. That's the way I would play it. Them, this, but, this, but yes, more so ahead. than that, Dexter, have a plan for development. What is the development plan with these young dudes? Obi and Cam and quickly and these none of these dudes are over 23, right? Right. None. So what what are we doing? How are we giving up on dudes that are under 23 years old already? Well, here's the problem. The problem is, and this is this is definitely be talked about on Friday. The problem is. Next year, you got well coming this offseason. You got to decide are you going to pay Cam Reddish and what would that be? Are you then going to have to pay Obi Top and the man quickly? You can't keep all the dudes. You know this. I don't have to tell you about this. You can't keep all the dudes and you don't want to, you don't want to cap yourself out right. for, for players that are just, I hate to say it to these guys, don't have as much upside or just mediocre. So there are some tough decisions that are going to have to be made soon, which is why my point is you have to then be all in on giving them all the minutes possible so you can identify yeah you can identify that should be part of the plan you can identify which of those three that you mentioned that are 23 and under you're not going to be able to keep all them okay who we keep and who we trading 
That's the only the way you thing. can identify that is if you can you that. make a decision from a place of strength. And I feel like they're going to yes. end up making a decision from a place of weakness because them guys ain't going to have any playing time or any meaningful sample size to look at. Right. Tibbs is a grinder and we got to get to 41 and 41. And it's like, bro. <laughs> Now, right, that's now, not a I plan. Don't know, that's not I don't a plan. know who we're going to keep come the offseason because this guy could. And then what happens? One of them ends up in San Antonio, and you're like, oh, shit, homie's an all-star. Yeah, could have been that for you, but you, that's not part of your plan. And I think the because other challenge you, you, is, you weren't able to properly evaluate. Correct. Part, part correct. of development is, is being able to properly assess and evaluate your talent. And the only way to properly assess and evaluate your talent is by seeing them on the floor. No doubt. And the other thing is, that 2019 draft, R.G. Barrett was taken third. What makes it hard for the Knicks right now is you're seeing mm. the guys who were drafted above him, in particular John Morant, because Zion's had his own injury history. But shit, when Zion was healthy, was already the best interior scorer in the league in what year two in the in the NBA. John Morant led a team to a conference semis. Is already All NBA first. Like we made first team last year or second team? We made first uh, team second last year. year. Second, second team. team. Already All NBA, right? So he's ascending. You're looking at RJ and you're like, you ain't even an All Star, my guy. Like that's I think where you're like. Well, shit, what up? And behind him, who was trapped? Darius Garland. Darius Garland, who wasn't all star. Like, this is why, as a Knicks fan, you're like, we can't even pick the right person in the draft, right? And so. Right. When you get a top three pick. We'll have more more on that on Friday. Because it's, it's, listen, it's frustrating to be stuck in mediocrity. But when you're in this place, to the point that we made about the Knicks and Nets, you have to make the right choices in terms of evaluation and noticing whether this is a sunk cost or not. This is not where you want to be stuck in the NBA. Not at all whatsoever. So you got to make the right choices. It's hard. I think teams fool themselves into staying into mediocrity, yep. not realizing that they are in mediocrity. And that's mm-hmm. that's generally a, generally a problem. All right, we're going to talk about confusing NBA teams and early season MVP candidates. I'm going to go quickly with early season MVP candidates because uh, you mentioned KD, mm-hmm. uh, which you and I probably agree. I think he is a candidate. They don't have enough wins, right? But I'd probably put him fifth or somewhere. Which Luca mm-hmm. is absolutely in the top two or three. Mm-hmm. Jason Tatum, you also agree oh, on that? I mean, look, Tatum with the with the way they're winning right now, he has to be. And mm-hmm. I, I put these two guys in the same category right now. Yeah, let me hear Steph and KD. To me, are in the same category. Steph, first of all, playing lights out, like number one in EPM. Like he he is his numbers are off the charts, Dex. Like sixty four percent effective field goal, seventy percent true shooting, like. He ain't the problem so, in Golden State. Wait, hold on. Who is your MVP right now? If I said you got to pick the MVP right now, who are you picking? Because I use the category your team has to be good, Jason Tatum. Right? Okay. Like That's your good. team has to be you can't be on a 500 or sub 500 team like Durant and the War and 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 the Nets and Curry and the Warriors and win MVP. Now, that could change in 40, 60 games. They could be in a different spot. But, but right, right now, now yeah, yeah, right they're now. not. But they're in the discussion. Uh, a lot of people saying Giannis I'm not saying no. If you look at, yes, Giannis's raw accounting stats look fine as they always do. He's not scoring as efficiently as he's been in the past. His effective field goal and true shooting percentage down. He's not finishing as well. I think a large part of that is because he doesn't, you know, holidays missed a lot of time. We talked about Middleton already. Pack, he doesn't have that release of the three-point shooting in space. So they're collapsing on him a ton. But the the math, the, uh, the Bucks are still very good, right? So he's got to be in the discussion as well. Luca, look, his team's starting to slide. Right now, they did win right. last night. He's still in the mix, but you know, in terms of teams that are that are winning, you only have Tatum, and you still got to put Nikola Jokic in the conversation because the Nuggets are number two in, in in the West. Yeah, there's a couple teams that I think last week I would have had the Mavs higher and Luca higher, 
but because of the recent slide, now probably would have had Jokic lower, but now he's trending upwards. I think the best player I've watched play in the league this year is definitely Stephen Curry. The numbers tell you that. Mm -hmm. I'm and your with eyes you. tell you that. The mm -hmm. eyes tell you that. The, the winning does matter. Now, if you're, I do tend to lean a little bit more to who's the most valuable to their team. Mm -hmm. Like if you took oh, this dude off shit. the team. Shit, Curry off the fucking, the, the Warriors, they done. might be zero done. and whatever. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and so if somebody says to me, it's weird because I'm probably not going to knock Steph, and I actually have to do something for this later for the New York Post. I'm not going to knock Steph down as low despite his team being around 500 because I actually really think if his team, if he wasn't there and doing what he was doing, that team would have two wins right now. Well, I mean, you, you can make the same case with Durant. Take him off the nets and that team True. is hot Fair. garbage. Like, Fair. Right? Fair. I mean, to some degree, I know people say, oh, well, the Celtics would have Jalen Brown. But, yeah, even Tatum. All these guys are extremely valuable. Mm -hmm. It just comes down to how you look at value and what you're – Marcus Arthur Gerard is giving value to winning, and that's fair and fine in, in how you're voting. And some people might look at, well, take these stats off this team. I think all of that is fair. I'm kind of with you in that we have the same group of guys in the top mm -hmm. five. Mm -hmm. um, I would say they're dudes trending upward right now. Steph is definitely trending upward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even Durant to a degree and absolutely mm -hmm. Jokic because of the, the, because of the record. Um, and Jokic is another one. If you look at the numbers of the on-off numbers with him, oh my god, with Denver, it is insane. And to me, that's a strong mark of value yes. as well, too. Mm -hmm. um, that I like to look at. What it, what does your team do without you on the court? The Warriors actually have more of a system to lean on, mm -hmm. even when Steph is on the court. That doesn't hurt mm -hmm. them as badly as it does Jokic. Jokic is that dude for the Nuggets when he's on the court, and when they're off, they don't know what to do. Same with KD. You talked about they had to play him all these minutes against uh orlando the orlando magic the orlando magic without palo bancaro crazy no all with right. palo palo and bowl but nobody else nobody all the rest else. of the guys yes. are out all right all the rest of the guys out yes <laughs> no but no insane not sustainable but that's a whole other story for another day all right we'll take a quick break we come back we will give you our wednesday night best bets for the nba so you can get paid when we come back on nba exchange are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the NBA Exchange. All you got to do is sign up now and use the promo code NBAEX. Prize picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep, that's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play. Download the Prize Picks app today. All right, we are back Wednesday night of action. A bunch of games for us to pick from. Some good ones. It was a light one last night. There was only three games on the schedule. So uh, a lot more to watch around the league. And there's, there's some good ones um, to watch around the league tonight. Uh, there are 13 games in action, actually, we're just looking at. So it was a ton for us to pick from. Uh, I really was looking. I was like, man, I'm going to have my eye on a lot of stuff tonight. But uh, <laughs> in terms of betting, uh, there's some interesting ones. Uh, what's your first game, Gerard? Uh, I'm going to go to Barclays and uh, the Wizards visiting the Brooklyn Nets. We just talked about Wizards plus 170 in that game. Brooklyn minus five and a half. Um, you know, I'm going to go with Brooklyn in this one. Look, I think they're playing some some good games. They've had the fifth 
uh, toughest schedule to start the season. And the fact that they are at 500 is actually quite impressive given the problems with mm-hmm. that roster. That, again, goes to the brilliance of Kevin Durant, um, that they're able to even be that good uh, with, with the teams that they're playing. Um, you know, he's, of course, just on one, on both ends of the ball, on the floor, if you're watching, just excellent on, on both sides. Um, the Wizards have no answer for him, as mo- many teams do not. Um, even without Ben Simmons. And look, I like what the Wizards are doing. I think Porzingis had a, a great game recently. Kuzma, they have a lot of length and size. They're going to bother the, the Warriors and the other uh, Warriors. And that's on the boards. So I would look for any props with, uh, you know, Kuzma plus five rebounds, Porzingis plus six rebounds, 20 plus points for Porzingis, but a Brooklyn Nets win. On the other side, I would look at uh, KD. I think he's going to score another 30 points. And I'm probably going to have to because the rest of that team is not so good. Um, and, and, and a Nets win if you want to parlay. Um, and I think, yeah, Nets, Nets win this, uh, I think by the, I'll take the points. They'll win by six at least. And I'm going to go with the under. Going the under 227. I, I like this, man. I like this. This is one of the bets you chose. I said, uh, I like this one. Um, I like the Nets to win. There hasn't been too much I've bet on with the Nets. I've been staying away from them for a while, but I do like this one. Uh, my first pick will be involve the other New York team, the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, they are six-point favorites heading to Madison Square Garden to take on the New York Knicks, plus 184 on the money line for the Knicks. The so over-under for this one is 226 and a half. Knicks are feeling good. Mm-hmm. Coming off a 30-point win uh, last night against the Detroit Pistons, who have the worst record in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Knicks had lost four out of five coming into that game, so they needed to feel good and get right. They lost to Gerard's Memphis Grizzlies uh, mm-hmm. the other day. Tough loss to the Portland Trailblazers. And look, they just lost to a couple of teams that aren't as good defensively as the Milwaukee Bucks. And we talked about how good the Milwaukee Bucks defense is. And also, which we'll talk a lot more about on Friday, the Knicks struggle to shoot. They're not a good shooting team. The spacing hasn't been good. The shot making has been inconsistent. I would not be fooled here by what you saw in Detroit. Do I think the Knicks can hang tough in this game? Yes, because they rested they had a blowout they didn't have to play their starters in the fourth quarter i do think that matters to some degree here on a back-to-back where they're coming to new york but the bucks have been a bad matchup for the knicks the last couple of years too much size too much length yeah too, too much athleticism they can bully them you could and they don't have chris middleton and i still like the bucks maybe you feel like six is too big of a number for there but i like the bucks here to cover i do think this game could be pretty competitive but i probably see the bucks winning somewhere between eight to ten points in this one, I think this is never a good matchup for the Knicks. They have no answer for Giannis at all whatsoever. They have no answer for the length of Brooke Lopez. Mm-hmm. And also combined with the shooting, the way that team can stretch the floor, even when Lions were playing Portis and Brooke Lopez. They've been shooting the ball well. Their role players have shot the ball well, even despite not having Pat Connaughton and Joe Ingles and Chris Middleton. Give me the bucks to cover here. This is pretty easy. Also, Look at any Giannis player props in terms of rebounds. So there's been numbers you've been floating between 11, 12 and a half. You can grab a lot in the Knicks. The Knicks are not a good shooting team. Maybe you can get value on Brooke Lopez getting some boards here. Sometimes his numbers around six and a half. I would look at that too. This is an interesting game in terms of terms of rebounds, where I think Giannis can clean up a lot because of his size. That's a prop I would absolutely look look at. And also the under here, 226 and a half. I'm banging the under on this one for this game. So give me the bucks to cover six points at MSG. I like that. I like that. Uh, for my second game, I'm going to Philadelphia 76ers at Cleveland playing the Cavaliers. You know, quietly, we didn't talk about the Sixers, but, you know, there's been a lot of injuries, a lot of guys out. Joel Embiid starting to round into form, starting to get get his his numbers back up. 
they're playing well. Um, and they're they're one of the top 10 teams in the league adjusted net rating, I want to say. Uh, yeah, Philly's their, their fifth, actually. 16th in offense, and that's because all those guys are out, but fifth on defense. So they're guarding. Um, but I think they're going to have a tough time with Cleveland. I'm going to go Cleveland here in this one. I like Garland and Mitchell, 20-plus points apiece. Look for two blocks from Evan Mobley, any, any block uh, with, with with Evan there. Um, and I like the under in this matchup. I think both teams are going to guard pretty well. So I like uh, Philly. Uh, I'm sorry, Cleveland, excuse me, minus three and a half to uh, to take care of the 76ers. And the under, the over-under is 211 and a half. I'm going to go under. Under here, defensive matchup. This is a game I'm absolutely having my eye on tonight. And, yes, Philly I put in there. I didn't put them in any category to talk yeah, about today. Just, I didn't, I didn't want to say yeah. confusing. They're, they're incomplete, I would say, mm-hmm, as a team. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. And so they're trending well. Their role players are starting to play better, which I think bodes well from them as – they start to get Maxi and Harden back into the fold. That should be um, pretty interesting. Last game we'll talk about, we got Gerard's Memphis Grizzlies. I stole this game from him. <laughs> you did. Uh, you they stole are, it. The line has moved here. The Grizzlies are two-and-a-half point favorites. They were three-and-a-half versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. Tim, Timberwolves plus 129 on the money line. Over-under for this is 232. Look, folks, if you think this is going to be anything like the energy that you saw last year in the playoffs between these two teams, <laughs> no. I, no, I don't think so. At all whatsoever. The Timberwolves might, were in my confusing teams. But yeah. maybe I'm not really that confused about them <laughs> at all whatsoever as I think. Part of me looks at the Wolves and I'm like, yo, I should have seen that this was a mess. They got the same record as the Knicks. They're 10 and 11. Okay, Everybody said this was going to be a top five team, blah, blah, blah. I didn't know about the fit between Rudy Gobert and Carlton Towns. Carlton Towns has not had a good season. Now he's out with an injury where's the offense coming from here? I don't care if Memphis doesn't have Desmond Bain tonight. It doesn't matter to me. They got trip back. Again, what are they What are they doing at the fourth spot in Minnesota? I have concerns mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot is on Anthony Edwards. There seems to be some weird things going on with that team internally. Mm-hmm. I just don't know about the fit and the culture now that the stakes are high, the pressure's higher. I know the organization has wanted to do well. I've heard that from people out there. They've wanted to do this, but I think the Timberwolves are really got to get some stuff together and figure out what they want to do. And I think they're a team that absolutely needs to make the move. With that being said, I said this earlier, Memphis, like them, treading, trending the right way. Two and a half, I think this is low. I think you jump all over this with the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are playing good. The Grizzlies are a team that is very cohesive. They've played well without their guys. Now Trip is back. I think that helps them on the interior. You're asking Rudy Gobert to score a lot for you now in Minnesota? Nah, not a good recipe. Give me the Grizzlies over two and a half, uh, excuse me, to, to cover the two and a half points here. Like them here. The over under at 232, this is stay, that's a stay away from me. I could, would be inclined to lean over, but it's a stay away from me here. I would look at any props. I would tell you who I'd stay away from on the props. Stay away from Dylan Brooks. Too much variance, okay? <laughs> too much variance. You might like the, the number on three-pointers made. I saw it the other day around two and a half. Yeah, but you know he can nah. jack up a lot, and he can also yeah. miss a lot, too. Yeah, Stay nah. away from that. As he gets back in form, form look at Trip with blocks. You might see it about one and a half. Definitely take a look at that. He's starting to get back into his defensive form. I would look at that. If there's anything for Trip to get two blocks or more, I like that against his team. I think they'll try to attack, as teams try to do generally against Steven Adams. But Trip is a great help defender, so look for him. Over one and a half blocks. That's a play I like for a prop, and we'll see. But give me the Grizz, which I know makes Gerard very happy. Give me the Grizz over the Timberwolves. Oh yeah, baby, Grizzlies all day. You know how we do. They're another team, Dexter. I think, like, you know, yeah. I wonder. 
because this is this is how the NBA works. One year, you're the toast of the league, right? The second best record overall. Life is great, blah, 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 blah. Next year, you're hit with injuries all of a sudden. It's like, oh, what, right? Does that cause them to kind of make a reset? Huh, should we make a trade? What should we do? Because you, you know, it, it you're like, ah, oh, but we were, if we, and now, if you're the Grizzlies, you're thinking, we lost to the Warriors in six in the conference semis. We played three of those games without our best player in John Morant. Yeah, we still went to six games. So they're probably like, oh, fully healthy. We like to match up against them again, right? So I think it's just interesting what, do te- what the psychology, what the teams think about. Man, should we try to move some of these other guys to get like that wing guy in here? And then now we, you know, it'll be interesting no, to see. I say no for the Grizzlies. I think all the Grizzlies need is continuity. That's yeah. seriously what and, I believe and in health. that team. Yep. And health. Continuity and health. You have a young wing I like in Zaire Williams, who I think is developing pretty nicely. I would just keep the continuity. you got good experience. That's a great point. They lost in six games when they didn't have their best player for three games. Um, and I think they just need to be healthy. And I think the continuity matters there. And I, I think they'll be fine. They just need – they're now playoff tested. Mm-hmm. Now they got to get some more playoff mm-hmm. battle mm-hmm. scars mm-hmm. with them. I think that's all they need. I think continuity is a good thing sometimes that we – I don't think they need to make a move. Yeah, yeah. I think their three best players are fine. Mm-hmm. I think they have some young role players that are going to be fine. Um, I mean, if you told me there's a way to get off of Dylan Brooks, I probably would. <laughs> but that's 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 a whole other thing. But yeah, yeah, I think I think the Grizzlies, I think the Grizzlies are gonna be fine. I actually think they're gonna be fine. All right, that's it for this edition of the NBA Exchange. Good one to come back. We uh, talked about a lot of good things uh, around the league at the quarter mark. It's gonna be very interesting to see what the next 20 games are or so, and we see how teams are shaking out. Please check out Gerard's work on True Hoop. The guys, they record every Monday and Friday with the great stuff they do. Also, check out the Seven Footers podcast as well. And Gerard, you know, he'll be back on with me at New York Post SNY to talk about something. Some NBA news or a scandal <laughs> or whatever Somebody nonsense that's going on. There'll, there'll be something like that to talk about, I'm sure. Um, Gerard, any, anything else new coming from you? Anything else going on? Uh, no, man, just looking forward to getting into the, the holidays. You know, it's interesting. You know, we always talk about, oh, Christmas, the NBA on Christmas Day. Like, that's when the season, I'm like, guys, by Christmas, the season is almost halfway over. Right? So, yeah. like, I mean, you, by that point, it's like, oh, we see some things. We, we know. So, it'll be very interesting to see, again, the next 20, where we're at, what these teams are looking like, who's doing what, and who's where. It will be absolutely interesting to see. We'll have you covered on that with nuance. We will do that next time. That's Gerard Hector. I'm Dexter Henry. We'll see you next time on the NBA Exchange. Peace.